Welcome to Music Sense. I am your host, Richard Vachon, and today my guest is Carl Stobe. Carl Stobe is recognized as one of Canada's most accomplished violinists, known for his dedication to excellence on the violin and classical music in all its forms. As a concertmaster, soloist, and chamber musician, Carl has been an audience favorite in small settings and large venues. His diverse career has included performances of all six Isaiah Sonatas for solo violin, all 16 Beethoven string quartets, and all 10 Mahler symphonies. And these are um, quite uh, uh, challenges, I guess, huh, for a violinist. He feels equally comfortable the directing an orchestra without conductor, a little, a little bit like the uh, Orpheus Orchestra. Performing as a soloist with orchestra, playing a chamber music, or giving an, an, an accompanied recital. Noted for his generous, rich sound and long, poignant phrasing, is designed by the San Francisco Classical Voice as an artist with a soulful musicianship, and by London Sunday Times as a master soloist, recording the golden age of violin playing, producing a breathtaking range of tone colors. Connors performed in many North America's most famous concert hall, including the Carnegie Hall. Wow. I mean, usually when people get into the Carnegie, they put that on their CV that it's, uh, they have uh, it's uh, mission accomplished. <laughs> That's as high as, as high as they can go. Uh, they keep, if I can say, their, they keep their past preciously, you know, uh, they, they square it on the, on, on the wall somewhere. Um, I know was a, a friend like that uh, who was a harpsichord player uh, in uh, in Australia, uh, and uh, she finally made it to Carnegie also. And uh, she showed me her pass, and I was tempted to steal it from her. But <laughs> <laughs> well, to be truthful, I've I've there are, Carnegie Hall is three different halls, and I've okay. I haven't played in all three. I've played in the bigger two, but I haven't played in the smallest one yet. Which, you know, hopefully okay. one day. Okay, so Carnegie Hall, among among others, Jordan uh, uh, Hall, that is not far, uh, also in Boston, uh, National Arts Center in uh, Ottawa, Roy Thompson Hall, Sergeant Hall, and the Orpheum Theater. As a musician, chamber musician, soloist, and the orchestra the director, he has shared the stage with many of the most important ele electric violinists of our day, from James Ennis to Mark O'Connor. James Ennis was a, a great uh, violinist. You played with James Ennis? Yes, yeah, sure. Wow. He's, he's a uh, great Oh boy, that's that's something, yeah? Um, AV records, uh, recording of a car performing Isaiah Soto Solin Violators received a worldwide attention, including Gramophone Magazine, which hailed it as a full of spirit, energy, exciting, fearless. It was nominated for a 2015 Junior Award for Best Classical Album. Okay, so you, you have done also some of the recording on the, on the 2015. Always looking to expand the, the concert stage, Karl has recently created the series of online concerts for digital con uh, concert platforms. Distinguished for his uh, lifelong love of the music for solo violin, the series features video recordings of all the unaccompanied violin repertoire with John Johann Sebastian Bach. In honor of the 30, 300 anniversary of Bach famous sonatas and partitas for solo violin, it also explored Bach's influence through video performances of other solo violin repertoire of music by Bartok, Azai, Prokofiev, Baber, and others. And something also uh, interesting. Uh, a lover of the instrument itself. Carr completed a minor in violent repair and construction while completing his master's of music at the Indiana University. His passion for the construction and mechanics of the violin is an important part uh, of his professional music life and continues to influence his performances and teaching. 
Carnivore misses an opportunity to see and play exceptional violin and bows. Have you ever played on a Stradivarius? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many, maybe 20. Wow. Something like that. Okay. Somewhere around there. I, I, don't, it, I don't know exactly the number. Uh, I have friends who count, but um, I, I lost count and I, 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 can't, I can never remember them all. So, um, but oh, it's, wow. they're cool. I, yeah, they're, they're amazing. I, I mean, some of them are beyond. Are they, are they difficult to play? Are they? Well, like, like any instrument, they, you know, they each have their own personality. Some of them are, uh, some of them just open up the world for you. And some of them you have to kind of inject personality into. And, and uh, some of them like the way I play and some of them ask for something else. So I don't, I wouldn't say that, uh, so they 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 they're very different from one another. Sure, sure. Just you know, they each have their own characters. Okay, so it's quite important to find the the, the violin that uh, fits uh, yeah. your personality. Yes. Uh, he has given multiple presentation uh, uh, in the history of the violin family, violin building and repair, and organized exhibit and lectures recitals on rare fine instrument at various concert hall, art galleries, universities, and conservatories. Charles plays on an exceptional and rare violin by Nicolas Lupo in Paris, 1806. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, very special. Mm -hmm. It is a very special violin, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Carl, uh, my first question uh, sounds a little bit like uh, as if I did not research you. Um, uh, <laughs> tell me about your life. <laughs> okay, so how did you, let's be more precise, how did you got interested in, in, in classical music uh, when you were young? How did you get passionate about classical music? What are the turning point of your life concerning classical music? Um, well, I mean, I mean, this. <laughs> It's it's a long story, although it's actually easy to make bridge to, to 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 make it make it short. I I I like to say that my parents forced me to practice for twenty years, and now my wife has been forced to listen to me for twenty years. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's an oversimplification, but it, you know it definitely has a realm of truth to it, uh, or or an, a bit of truth in it. I certainly wasn't a huge fan for a little while. I, um, my mom was a, a, a pianist, a very good pianist, professional pianist. My okay. aunt was a professional pianist. My uncle's a professional violinist. So, music, so you from a family, yes. Music was in the family. And um, when I was uh, four and a half years old or something, my, my mom saw a, a program uh, called the Suzuki program, where basically you could, en you could enroll your kids in uh, Suzuki in, in a basically a, a style of teaching string instruments violin most specifically um and it would be the, it would be part of the school program so she said oh, well oh, let's do that for a little for, for for a little while and then i'll put him in piano in a year when he's he's grown up a little bit more and and i can you know bear to teach him and and that that point never happened i i got to the violin part and, and i started practicing and my mom thought i did well and so she never kind of started teaching me piano i'm still to this day i'm a terrible pianist and i I think my mom, um, it's one of probably her great regrets in life is <laughs> what a poor pianist, I, what a poor pianist I am. But I turned out okay on the fiddle. So, um, yes, I, I think she has a, a little consolation of how you turn. Yeah, on she, about she, it. Has, she has some consolation on that. So I started in Suzuki, uh, in, in a school there in Prince George, where I uh, grew up. I stayed in Suzuki program for, um, oh, I don't know. Um, five or six years probably and then and then a music school started up and I kind of moved the music part of my life into the music school uh I you know I wasn't a particularly good practicer I I did my time I eventually and my dad he still teased me about this uh, eventually he realized well if he would pay me I would practice without you know um, <laughs> too much fighting and so they they basically they had a little chart on the wall and and for the if I had to tick off certain things that I would do and I would get paid for that you know I was it wasn't like I was making millions of dollars sort of like today actually in, in a certain sense but you know it was enough to get enough for a, for a, basically a kid to have an allowance. Um, but how you were you how old were you at that time? 
I would say I was probably 10 or 11. Okay. Nine, so, yeah, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere around double digits, but not, you know, not too much later. Okay. So when did the... When did the, the bug bite? Sorry, when did the, the incitement was not necessary anymore? Uh, it was probably 13 or something. Yes. And, yes. and honestly, I fell in love with Bach. I, I, I just, I started playing some of the solo Bach because I think it takes you about, you know... Already seven seven years of, of playing before you kind of get good enough to play the easier Bach pieces. Okay. And and I, I I started playing some of those and I and I thought oh this is great I, I this is really great music I really like doing this and I started practicing it and then I decided I was going to learn a whole partita in over one summer and I I don't know I just it just took and then I started practicing and it was sort of at that point where. Uh, my parents tried, tried to get me to stop. <laughs> I, I don't think so, it, it, it wasn't exactly that way, but at least they didn't have to make me practice anymore. And, and, and you know, then this was, sometimes I had to practice in my room, otherwise the whole house would be, you could, couldn't live in there. And, uh, and my brother was a little bit, my brother's a cellist and he was a couple of years behind me. He had, he had not started practicing yet at that point, but by the time I was, you know, 16, my brother started practicing and then we had to move into a bigger house. So, so your first love was a Sonatas and Partita from Bach. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was, that was okay. the, those the first things I, I really loved on the violin. And I think that's probably not what most people's first love is on the violin, but uh, that's definitely what, what got me going. I, I, I loved the stuff. I loved it right, uh, right from the first time I started playing it. Yes, you're coming back to your first love right now uh, with these uh, performances. I, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm not that I've ever left it, but uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, you, you yeah I've, I've, I've spent a year really dedicated to Bach again because we haven't had a lot of other things to do, for lack okay. of a better way of explaining it. You know, the, the concerts have been slim. Uh, everything we're doing is sort of either live stream or pre-recorded and... I mean, the, the symphony has opportunity and permission to uh, rehearse and record or rehearse and, and do live stream. So, you know, we can do that, but the symphony doesn't, they don't have permission to do everything that they would usually do uh, because of restrictions. And mm. uh, we don't have a lot of other opportunity to play chamber music because there just isn't an audience that we can play it for. Mm. And so what are you left with? Well, Bach. And I mean, lucky for me, I, I love the stuff. So I'm... yes, it's, 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 this, the, uh, that's the ultimate piece for a violinist, uh, the Sonata yeah. Partita from Bach. They are in yeah. many ways. That's, that's true. Yeah. I mean, usually people are just postponing it, you know, uh, until they become, they, they feel that they, they, they reach the, 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 the best of their abilities to, to make a, a final recording. No, sometimes they record it many times, you know, uh, in, in their career. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but they yeah. certainly, but uh, the, the, the great violinists would certainly like to, to leave a, a legacy of, uh, of a back song that doesn't pretty does. Well, I think it's something that's very personal to all of us. And, um, and you know it grows over time and it evolves over time i think it's something that when you when you sort of get towards the end of your career you think oh my goodness i really this is this is a very personal thing and and those kind of legacy things become important to you absolutely yes absolutely uh what kind of music were playing your uh your parents uh what kind did my parents play yes uh, I mean, Do you remember we, any pieces that uh, attracted your attention? Well, my mom was a piano teacher, so I heard a lot of piano music in the house. Okay. Um, any piece I, that uh, attracted yeah, your attention? Did you like more than others? I, I would say no, there wasn't one. I, I remember all of the scale exercises that she made all of her students do because mm. they all came and did it every, every day. I heard it four or five times. Um, but I heard different pieces all the time. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that I could kind of grab it to say there was something that my parents played often that I really, I really, really loved. They, I, I did, I loved them all. I, okay. There's no piece in particular. No. Okay. I, 
I'd have to think about that. Um, but I yes. can't, can't think of anything that they just played over and over and over again. You know, there was my dad had a, a, a record of spirituals uh, that I I adored. I loved it. They they had Dry Bones, if you remember that. Uh, Dry Bones was uh, was a a spiritual. Now they were it was sung by. Um, I can't remember the original group that did it. A, a black group from the early '30s popularized it, and and then you know choirs picked up on a lot of that music, and and so yeah, I remember that. Yes, we we all have, if I can say, uh, our favorites when we when we are young. When I was young, it was the Doctor um, Givago. Oh yeah. Yeah, the the, the yeah. theme of Doctor Givago and uh, the uh, Soviet uh, Union uh, military band. Right. We're always fighting about who would put the needle on these pieces so that the LPs would get all scratched. Right. I do remember as a kid, I mean, there was a, there, there became a point when I took over the, the record player. Yes. And, and the cassettes, I guess, uh, the cassettes. And, and I would play a lot of Prokofiev and Shostakovich. And that, that was not what my parents loved. Well, right? there I, you go. Yeah. So I remember... I remember listening to that a lot, and I remember mom's asking me if I could play Beethoven, which I, which I was happy to do. I did complete. I had a cassette of David Weistrack playing Beethoven, and I I broke it eventually. That I wore the tape out so much, it got longer and longer and longer. It started like flatter and flatter and flatter, and then eventually the tape just broke. I I I don't know how many thousand times if I listened to him play that. It was wild and really still. There you go. Uh -huh. yeah. Uh, the reason I'm asking, I'm asking that question is that uh, I noticed that uh, the people that are that love classical music uh, in their adult life, uh, most of them have been exposed to classical music when they were young. Yes. And uh, and the drama today is that the youth is not exposed to classical music anymore. Yes. And uh, so that's that's the purpose of my podcast. You know. Right. And, uh, I try to make people curious about classical music through the, the, the life of a real artists, uh, great artists like you. Hmm. And just to make them curious, uh, if they could, yeah. you know, uh, give it a shot at the Bach Sonatas and Partitas, give it a shot of Prokofiev, the classical uh, symphony, for example. Uh, you must have yeah. loved this one. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That, you know, I, any any I, great classical piece, uh, the yeah. people don't know what to listen to. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, and, the great drama. Classical music is so varied, you know, it's like people gravitate to different aspects of what classical music is. I mean, the people who love Shostakovich don't necessarily love Mozart or I mean, a lot, lots of people love both. But I think as a starting point, you know, there people enter in different realms. And yes. I think actually I think that's kind of an interesting thing, where kids nowadays enter classical music is a different place than I think when my parents entered it, or grandparents even entered it. They they gravitate to different things. I, I mean I think the things that my parents and and grandparents, uh, the things that they loved in classical music, is not the entrance point for kids. What would, you know, what, would be, uh, what would be the entrance point for kids, you think? Well, I do find a lot of kids and a lot of my young students, they find modern music very cool. They, okay. get, they get a big kick out of the big, crazy, weird sounds, the, you know, the, the more <laughs> mechanical, the more metallic, the more... Um, um, so they like to know, play with their instrument. Yeah, you know, they... they yeah, the things that are not necessarily just long, beautiful phrases. Okay. Um, and uh, so I, I find that kind of interesting. And, and you know, I think symphony orchestras and, and many people who program music there, they're a little bit torn between, you know, how do you do this? Because, you know, the people who pay your bills, who are the older crowd, they don't always want to hear modern music. No. But, but a lot of the younger people really gravitate to mo towards modern music. Ah, okay. So that's why you play it. 
Well, it's not why. But I, I mean, I think it's one reason. It's a, it's a very good reason to play it. I, I, I think there's a lot of other reasons to play it, too. So. Yes, also to promote the fact that these young composers that uh, yeah. that uh, come up to, to encourage I, them, I, to expose them a little bit. No? Yes. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of that music has a lot to offer and a lot to say about our world. And yes. it's, it's a great reflection. A great, It's great art in itself. You know? OK. So we were uh, with the Sonatas and Partidas from Bach yeah. at the age of uh, uh, 13. Yeah, at the age of <laughs> From 13. there, how do we go? Well, do it's we go? funny. I mean, I, I then I, I did get into a technical kick and I played things like Zekoinerweisen, you know, really technical pieces, really. I love Paganini. I love Sarasate, the current fantasy, uh, I, you know, and, and I, so I, I, I did kind of get into a world where I loved notes. I loved lots of notes. I loved Perlman's 1971 recording of Paganini 1 or 72, whenever it was. I thought it was, when, I mean, it is un unbelievable. Um, well, so, yes, when you talk about a different entry in classical music, the Paganini is quite different from Bach, yes, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved Perlman's um, uh, the 24 Caprices. I thought yes. it was spectacular and stunning. I well, just, uh, the Ines, Ines plays them uh, in a way yes. that is absolutely fantastic. I mean, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, and still, I, I listen to to James play them and, and to the, his recording of them. I, I just don't know how it's possible to do that. Well, yes, there's a bit... Uh, there was a priest once, if I can say, that was attending a concert from uh, Marc André Amelin. Yes. Okay, he's uh, he's a famous pianist. Yeah. And at the end of the concert, as a joke, he said, "Now I understand that he sold this he sold this soul to the devil." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marc André is another one. Hey, I mean, he can. Yes, play he's a, uh, yes, he's a quite, kind of a magician of the of the keyboard. This guy, yes, he absolutely. Is. He yes. is. He is. Yeah. Yes, they're wonderful guys too. I, you know, we 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 often get lost in the fact of of what these guys can do on their instruments. But uh, you know, let it be said, Mark Andre and James are both just incredible human beings. I love working with them both and seeing them, and they're they're really really great. People. I mean, you're very uh, you're a lucky man to have contact with all these people. I sure I am absolutely. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm lucky to work with with a lot of people, and, uh, and and a lot of people here in Winnipeg that I work with regularly, Gwen and David and Dan and Yuri, and and uh, I won't say second names, but um, some people will know who they are. And um, if you yes, yes, I mean you know them all, so it's, uh, I don't I won't ask you if I see to to name uh, to name them all. Yeah. Um, uh, you've been uh, uh, in your career. So you you, you went at that, uh, you played for different orchestra. You played. Uh, you went in the different cities. Have you always been in Winnipeg? Have you? Uh, my my professional life has been centered in Winnipeg. Okay. I I got, I got a job with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra uh, when I was uh, twenty two, I think. Okay. Um, and and so. Yeah, if I'm basically skipping over, I went to the University of British Columbia for, for an undergrad. I went to the Indiana University for a master's degree, and I was halfway through my master's, and I uh, I came to Winnipeg. My wife actually um, saw an ad in the in a newspaper okay. uh, with saying that there was a position open in Winnipeg, and she said, "Carl, you should you should go and audition for a job in Winnipeg." I said, "Okay, I'll go and do that." So I came. And I, I remember it was on the day of the Quebec referendum. It was, was that Halloween or was it right at the end of October or something, as I recall, in gosh, 1994 or five or something like that. And, uh, and I went on I went an audition here in Winnipeg on that day. Okay. And, um, and there you go. Yeah. And so we moved here the next year. We, we, in fact, we came for the first time in January, in January, for the first New Music Festival, the New Music Festival had Arvo Parrott was the uh, Arvo Parrott and Joan Tower and Aaron J. Kernis, three magnificent uh, modern composers, all still living. Um, and uh, that was my first experience playing with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, and I was I was blown away. I just could not believe how good the orchestra sounded. 
uh, how how great the audience was, how much they enjoyed the New Music Festival, which was, I think, probably about five years old. I probably played in the fifth one. That would be my guess. And um, I was remember, but it was terribly cold, and my wife was shocked. I mean, she actually <laughs> grew up, and she, she said, well, if you're not shocked time. by the, the the winter of Winnipeg, you will never be shocked by anything. I mean, yes, uh, yes, uh, yeah. I mean, this is quite extreme. Uh, yeah. Extreme cold in winter, extreme heat in, in summer. It's just, uh, yeah. yes. Do uh, you remember uh, who was the conductor at that time? Well, Bramwell, Bramwell Tovey. Okay. Bramwell and do you remember yeah. what was your first concert? The Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. Uh, I don't. I remember it was. Uh, I think it was one of the Arvo Parrot masses with the Hilliard Ensemble. Okay. Um, and so it was a new music festival. Um, I don't remember the date, other than to say I think it was late January, and, and we played. We played this um, some parrot, and I. I was sitting. I remember. <laughs> I think this was my first concert. If it wasn't, it was among the first one. My first experience sitting beside Gwen Hobig, who's been my my long time my long time uh, colleague uh, um, here in the Winnipeg Symphony and and dear friend, and um, I was sitting with her. My first time sitting with her, and we were going through this piece in concert. I was very nervous. Um, and Arvo Parrot, if you, Arvo Parrot, he's a, he's a great composer, but he likes to have unusual bar lengths. And so sometimes you'd have like a bar with 12 beats and then a bar of nine beats and a bar of seven beats, and then another bar of like even 15 beats and then a bar of one. And that bar of one would come in incredibly quickly and then you have to just pass it. It's very difficult to, you know, kind of keep your head together in, in those bars, right? And I was going along and I was, I was doing, I was focusing as hard as I possibly could. And I came and I had to turn the page and I turned the page and I looked up and Bramwell had conducted a, a, a one bar and another bar and another one bar, and that's not what we had on the page. And I realized I had just turned two pages. Uh oh. And I I ripped the page back. <laughs> and I looked over at Gwen, and I just thought to myself, I am so fired. There is no way I can survive this. And <laughs> and, and and Gwen is just like, what have you done? Like what? And we're lost. You know, we have uh -oh. no idea where we are. And we're, so we're trying to count rest, but we have no idea where he is. And Bramwell saw the whole fiasco happen. He just kind of looked down. He put his hand over. And when it was our turn to come in, he just kind of came over and he gave us the beat and we went. Oof. I was terrified. It was, and to this day, I because I, you didn't you, because you, you you didn't know where you are where you are. If if you I did, didn't know how bars, many bars had gone bars by, bars don't because, have the same numbers. That's right. I had no. I didn't know how many bars had gone by. Wow! Because, because I looked up and we saw different bars than what we were supposed to see. Yeah. So we, we we didn't know how to count them because I turned two pages. Anyways, I was with the most. I mean, maybe still to this day, maybe the most terrifying moment of my career. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, and maybe in Gwen's too. Maybe I we, we haven't talked about it very much since then. But I, I have no idea if she thought, "Oh my goodness, what have we gotten ourselves into?" Hiring this boy who's you know barely twenty-two and. I was young for sure and had no idea. Okay. Well, how old are you now? Uh, 49. 49? Yeah. Well, you, look, uh, you, you don't look 49. I don't you look, look a day uh, over 48, do I? I've been told that no, before. Uh, well, <laughs> you hardly look if I see you in your 30s your still. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, uh, you must be well married. That must be the case. <laughs> I, I am indeed. So yes. we're actually, I think we have, uh, my wife and I have our, 29th anniversary. We got married young. 29th okay. anniversary. Coming up in a few days. Yes, I saw the video you did with your children. Uh, and, which uh, one? The one of me yeah, singing? You, yeah, the, the uh, was it the, the, the Christmas uh, yeah. recital or something like that? Yes. yes. Uh, no, well done. You're doing well. <laughs> yeah, my, well, my, that was a few years ago. So my kids are, are uh, older now. My daughter's 20. Yes. Yes. Um, I was 18. In the, your bio, uh, we're talking about the, the Mahler symphonies. Yeah. I mean, did you uh, play them uh, at an early stage or uh, uh, late, if I was in life? 
Uh, the first time I did a Mahler symphony, I was in university. And actually it was, it was a great experience. I was at Indiana. Uh, we did the first Mahler symphony and one of the world's great maestros, Kurt Mazur. And he was the, he was the, Kurt Mazur, okay. he was the, con the conductor of New York Philharmonic at the time. Okay. And he came and conducted us uh, to play Mahler one. And he was, I think, particularly known for his German repertoire. Okay. Uh, and I was uh, mesmerized. I think I thought he was magnificent, and and he was. He's, he passed away a few years ago, um, but uh, that was my first time playing a Mahler symphony. It was all of them with Mazur. No, just the one. I played. I played the first small uh, first Mahler symphony. Okay. Um, and and so I was probably in. What was the last one I played? That's a good question. Maybe eight. Um, so probably I played, I played the, I, I played the, well, I played the last one of all, not, not the last one, but I, I played the last one to complete the cycle, probably only about eight, seven, eight years ago. Okay. And what's the first one that you played in Winnipeg? Uh, I would think it was one. Number one it was, also. It was probably still number one. Okay. Yeah. And after that, it was probably number two. And after that, I think it runs out of order. Then it was probably number five, number three. Yes, the, yeah, five is very popular, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, five, four. Yes. Yeah. Um, Nine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah yes, five, I, I, five is beautiful, the fine. See, there's an, uh, an agiato in there that is... Uh, yeah, it's very uh, famous. Very beautiful. Very, very captivating, yes. 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 Amazing, amazing piece of writing. Yes, yeah. uh, Mahler is great to to, uh, to make everybody work in the orchestra. Yeah, for sure. The, 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 the orchestra like they, they like Mahler because they he gives them something to do. Yeah. Everybody, you're busy, huh? and as when and you know we're first violinists, we're busy for everything. But um, yes, yeah, no question for Mahler, we're we're very busy. We, we play um, one of the ballets um, here. They, back the ballet does Dracula, and that's to all that's to basically the three different Mahler symphonies we get to, we get to play a bunch of them and that's it's a handful playing through all those Mahler symphonies in a night and then of course sometimes when they'll have a, they'll have two in a day that's that's a lot of playing oh that's a lot of playing yes yeah, mm. yeah. uh what about the Beethoven uh, string quartets the Beethoven string quartet so uh, I played them all with the my my usual quartet uh, and that is the Clearwater Quartet and that's with my my dear friends Gwen Gwen Hobig, Daniel Schultz, and Yuri Hooker. And we okay. have played together for uh, 20 years. Okay. Uh, and and I think probably fairly early on when we started playing together, um, uh, we decided that we were just going to do a multi-year cycle to make sure we got through them all. And uh, and it, it was super fun. I mean, we, we did. We, we started out doing two, three a year. And, um, you know, you go through that opus, opus 18, the first, the first set, the opus 18, there's six. Yeah, I love, I love the opus 18. It's beautiful. Yeah, they're, they're just gorgeous. Yes. And, and, you know, it's, they're lovely. And you think, well, if Beethoven had only written these six, he'd still be the greatest quartet composer of all time. Um, so but, refreshing. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And then, and then we, we played, I think probably we played opus 95 and then we did some of the opus 59s uh and yeah, then, yes yeah and then and then this, and then opus 74 and so you get through that those first 10 okay and mm -hmm. and you're excited okay only six left and then you look uh -huh. at the book the the score with only six left and you realize that the the, the with the score that contains all six it's bigger than all the previous times as thick is the first 10 all put together yeah. i mean yeah there's just there's way more writing in those last six. It's unbelievable, uh -huh. um, and so those last six took a little while. You know, we 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 did it took a few years for us to play uh, all six of those. So, how do you name uh, your quartet? The Clearwater Quartet. Clearwater Quartet. Okay. And, and we're, we call ourselves. Are that. you are you still uh, playing uh, playing as a quartet? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, we have a concert. Um, uh, well, a live stream concert coming up uh, at the end of the month. So. I mean, this this is when you see uh, the uh, the players at their best. Um, I mean, you're not playing as a group; 
it's one voice one instrument so well, i mean uh, it's uh it's you 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 hear every single detail thanks of every yeah. single of these voices it's just a fantastic string quartet it, it, you know everybody loves the string quartet is is really one of the great mediums that there is yes. and, and beethoven that's his last six works were all quartets and mm -hmm. and and that's are all string quartets and and there's a reason for that is you know is he he kind of inverts from most of his stuff in, in the early years is piano sonatas and then he doesn't write very many piano sonatas at the end of his life in the beginning mm -hmm. of his life he doesn't write, write that many string quartets but all the stuff at the end of his life is string quartets okay and, and and people really i think a lot of composers kind of gravitate towards them because there's just so much you can express with them there's so much you can do uh and, and it's, it's uh, so much I more bias, uh, I, I appreciate but yeah so much versatile so much uh yeah. you, you get to you can you, you can make, have so much more expression with the string quartet than uh, an orchestra it's just uh... yeah and and i think i think you can move more like it, there's there's certain rules in an orchestra that you have i mean you basically you've got to have a bunch of people playing at the same time right and you can't you can't just have a write an orchestra piece and then only have five people playing so i mean mm. in, in terms of the string quartet i think i think composers are at their most experimental they they feel the most free they can kind of put the most uh, the, the, their most intimate and, and experimental thoughts down. And, and I think that certainly falls for Beethoven. And uh, I, Haydn would be another one, I think. Uh, Haydn was, yeah, Haydn's interesting, uh, yes. Mozart uh, had to work hard, if I can say, uh, yes. on the string quartet at the beginning. Yeah. You think that, the, you, you, the, <clears throat> we think that everything was was easy for Mozart, but uh, he says that he, uh, he had to work hard on the string quartet. Yeah, that's correct. <clears throat> I think he actually had an, uh, an easier time with the string quintets. Yeah. Those those were sort of an, an easier medium for him to 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 have that extra viola, but the quartets uh, he had to work on. But a lot of composers really really gravitated towards quartets as their sort of their most personal writing. Okay. Bartok, Shostakovich, too of the modern guys, too. Lots of them. What's your favorite piece that you played uh, with the Winnipeg Symphony? <clears throat> oh, that's. I, I, that's an impossible question. I, I could not answer what my favorite piece is. Uh, I, I certainly oh, have... Oh, come on. You, you must have some favorite. Well, I certainly have uh, favorite concerts that we've done. Okay. I, mean, I wouldn't say I have a favorite concert. I have, you know, with each conductor, I have, I remember doing something that I think really, really was, was powerful for me. When, when Andre Bareko was here, we did an absolutely wonderful performance of Berlioz Symphony, Symphony Fantastique. Oh, yes. There's, there's a lot of fun to, to have there. Yeah. And he, I, I remember that being just magical, absolutely magical. Uh, um, so who was the conductor? Andre Bareko. Okay. Um, and, and with Bramwell, you know, a wonderful Enigma Variations. Um, and uh, and the Briton, uh, I, I I don't I don't mean to, be, to pigeonhole him into English music. He's an English guy, but uh, the Briton, the, the four C interludes, uh, some of my very favorite pieces. And actually, I haven't played them very much since Bramwell left here. I love those pieces, and I I, I re recall him doing those beautifully. Um, yeah, I I mean, we do Beethoven symphonies with everybody. They've been very meaningful to me. Um, I love Beethoven three. One of my favorite concerts ever was when Skrovachevsky was here and we did Eroica. That's Beethoven's third symphony. And yes, uh, third is when he be, really became Beethoven. Yes, that's I completely agree. I mean, I, I still think that the third symphony is my favorite of the Beethoven symphonies. Um, not not just because I, I love the music. I love the music in many of them, but there's something so revolutionary about that piece, something so historically important about the third symphony well yes you hear all the the french armies <laughs> yeah yeah attacking <laughs> it's I, uh, you can have you seen that movie uh heroica no i don't think so okay it's a movie where you you see beethoven if i can say uh just conducting his third oh yeah and you see all the faces of the emperor and the 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 the, the, the orchestra and the, his friends and everything and every, everybody's wondering what's going on here, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, he's and some of his friends are getting it, yeah, yeah? Uh, but not everybody. Uh, 
so anyway, that's that. It's a fascinating uh, symphony. Yes, it's uh, uh, the second is is when uh, he became suicidal. Yeah, uh, um, and and then and then he. You know, uh, uh, you you hear in the second, if I can say, uh, he. Uh, you hear it. You have the impression you have the. You hear the man, if I can say, having digestive uh, problems, running to the the the, the toilet, uh, vomiting, uh, uh, whatever. That's uh, it's. Uh, you you can almost hear everything. If I can say, he's his notes. No. Yeah. Not the fifth. Not the fifth. And in the fifth, he was back on his uh, on his feet. Yeah, he was. He became. He was defiant. You know, and and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was. He 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 really. He had a period there between the second and the third symphony where I think you know he was he lost he he knew he was going deaf yeah um, he was sick besides mm. going deaf um, mm. and well, he, the, his his deafness made him sick yeah he he was becoming increasingly isolated mm -hmm. uh, and he didn't know how he was going to survive it and uh, can you, you know, imagine as, huh? as he writes in his famous the Heiligenstadt Testament. Um, in his, his famous document where he, he said if it was not for the fact that he felt he had a lot of music to compose he did not think that he had a purpose in the world so he, mm -hmm. he would have taken his life but uh he he felt he had he had to write things down he had to write music and so out of that comes the third symphony yes can you imagine the experience that this man had in music to be able to compose being deaf yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine that. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the sense that you need the most, if I can say, as a, as a musician. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he he heard it for he had an excellent brain in which I think really what he saw on the page, he could hear. He could imagine, yes. He could imagine what that sound was. Um, clearly, he could do that because there's no other way. He just mm -hmm. he he had the ability to you know, see something and to imagine something without the without it actually existing in his oral reality. Yes. And he could, in, in all fairness, he could actually hear he kind of had up and down things, at least for another 10, 20, 10 or 12 years after this point, it was it wasn't like he became deaf overnight. He, yes. he, he had a period where he was, you could see it coming. Uh, yes. He, he he had days where he could hear very little, and then he had days where he could hear reasonably. And mm -hmm. I think it probably wasn't until the after the seventh symphony that he really didn't hear anything at all. Mm. He, he heard very little. Oh, you think it was that late? Yeah, it, I mean, he, we don't know what he would have heard in between. He would have had mm -hmm. days where he could have made made some kind of oral sense out of it. Mm. Um, but I I don't think it was until probably you know, 50, 10 or 15 years after the third symphony, where he was, he really was completely deaf. Okay. And had, but he was, he was definitely completely deaf at the ninth. Yes, he was. Yeah. I mean, yes. he, he didn't, he couldn't, he couldn't hear it was going on. He couldn't hear that the audience appreciated it. And uh, yeah. lots of stories about I mean, they, Well, yes. Uh, he needed uh, an assistant conductor to, uh, to uh, conduct the, the orchestra. And someone had to turn and turn him around, if yeah, I can say, yeah. uh, to for the applause of the uh, the crowd. Yeah. 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 And he was he was a very isolated man by then. Yes. Even though I think the world recognized him as the greatest uh, the greatest musician and greatest composer of of, the, of his day. Um, I don't. Think well, you so know, there, so. when I was in Australia, they had every year. The ABC Classic FM had uh, every year, if I can say, the uh, this uh, uh, survey uh, when they are asking the people, "What is your favorite piece of music?" Uh, so uh, the, everybody is communicating, you know, supplying for the, 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 the their choice, and they uh, and they compile all the data and they make uh, a CD set uh, every year uh, of eight CDs. Uh, with the favorite pieces that people love, and Beethoven comes on top, on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand that. I, 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 uh, I love Beethoven. <laughs> What's not to love? He's just a great composer. He's. Um, I'm not exactly sure how this has kind of gotten sidetracked into a discussion about Beethoven, but and not that that's being sidetracked. But 
Uh, uh, you played these uh, these uh, Beethoven quart uh, string quartets. That's right. Yeah, we went to with your uh, with your uh, with your quartet. Yeah, and they, so they've always they've always been really you know as, especially as far as quartets go, they they're really very very important works. And and you uh, have any one favorite? It's hard to it's hard to say. It's always it's a, to difficult they're, to. It's a, they're, they're different, you know. Like Opus ninety five, the Serioso is is one of the shortest major works Beethoven ever composes. It's very very compact. I adore it. It's incredible. Um, Opus seventy four is one of the longest. You know, the harp. Yes, the harp. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the difficulties of the Razumovskys and then the late ones. I mean, one twenty six, one twenty nine. They're just. They're, they're yes. amazing. Yes, 131 uh, is uh, yeah, meditative. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes, um, uh, I mean, from there, where do we go? Well, you asked me what my favorite piece was as, as a symphony player, and um. You know it's hard to hard to pick one uh it's 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 uh you know what's my favorite piece i think as a violinist is it's that that as as a for solo violin it's it's that that transition between bach d minor the second partita and the c major the third sonata you know which are back to back in in, in a book uh, that he composed and that he is okay and uh, it's, it's amazing to me because the end of the D minor is the very, very famous Chacon. And um, yes, please. It, it did the Chacon. Give us the Chacon, please. Yeah, Put the well, Chacon on the internet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a stunning, stunning piece. 15 minutes long. I beg you. I'm on my knees. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually have it on the internet, um, but it's not public yet. So. And yes 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 you did uh you 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 uh, you, you did uh, uh these recitals lately yeah, I've, I've, I've recorded yes. them now yeah yes. I, I i i haven't exactly decided what i'm how i'm going to make them public yet so but the recording is done so but i love that idea you know because the shikana i think to me is this it's bach it's bach it is it's he's at it, He's grieving. He it's it's at his darkest. His, his yes. you know it's it's profoundly devastating, sad, torturous music. Mm, yeah. So desolate. But so expressive. Oh, I mean, incredibly expressive. Uh, he, yes, he, you yes. know, as, as Brahms says about the piece, it's the what the what the man writes on for on one stave for one instrument is the expression of the whole world. And this is Brahms writes this. And then mm -hmm. he you go to the C major, and it's you know this growth of it from utter desolation to the adagio of the first movement of the C major, which is searching, and then to the fugue of the C major, which is uplifting. Mm -hmm. And it's, you can feel this journey. And as, as violinists, I mean, we're so lucky to kind of have that journey to ourselves. You know, we, mm -hmm. we the, the journey from darkness to light, which is you know everybody writes it and. But as violinists, we have one of the great examples of it. Um, mm. and, and you know, if we're talking about favorites, I, I cannot let let that go unmentioned. The, those moments between the, the partita number two in D minor and the sonata number three in C major, but those but going from the one to the other, I think is is an incredible moment in, in music. Your favorite composer would be Bach. Once again, I uh, I I would say I yes. Mean, that was your first love, but uh, it's uh, my first love. You did, you did record Isai completely. Yes, I I would not say Isai is my favorite composer, but I love the Isai the, the six sonatas. They're amazing. Uh, they they are great pieces for the violin, uh, and they they show every possible thing that you can do on a violin. I mean, they're they're incredible. Okay. Bach, yeah, Bach has got to be a favorite because he's got the six sonatas and he's got the E major violin concerto, which is amazing. Uh, one of the most joyful pieces uh, I think ever written. And, um, and and then what's to say about all those chorales and all the choral music of Bach? There, it's it's uh, miraculous. Um, also, you're uh, you're uh, you're an amateur of or of organ music. 
yes, and of, of course the or I mean the the cottas and fugues, the preludes and fugues. I mean, my goodness, and I love the organ. I I, I one of my great experiences as a sixteen year old was being in St. Paul's Cathedral. And hearing the organ played there, they played a modern piece. And I looked down, there was a little crack in the floor. I mean, 12th century building, there's one crack I can find. And then I look, at, I look down and I imagine to myself, I remember being listening to this organ. And I looked down and I thought, if that crack goes down 50 feet underneath the floor into the earth, I know that the sound of that organ would penetrate every part of me still. It's just, it, it's just the the, the, the the amount of sound it makes and the reverberance in St. Paul's, you know? Yes. It, it was the, the, the quality of that sound was stunning to me. That's and, a good story. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I do when, when we travel in Europe, I try to go to a few masses where they have, where they play the organ. So last, the yes. last time I was in Europe, we were in Berlin and I, I went to the, um, uh, to the, the, the dome there. Uh, and they had a service and they played Mendelssohn. It was sort of a Mendelssohn's, uh, they had a lot of Mendelssohn uh, organ music. Okay. Incredible. Just, yes. Uh, yes. Um, one of my previous guests, uh, uh, Carlos, Carlos uh, Fagin, hmm. uh, is an organ player and uh, he was given the fine. So he had the opportunity to play on these great organs when he was in Europe. Uh, Notre Dame, censored piece, and the one that mm -hmm. you mentioned also. Uh, so uh, now it's these are great instruments uh, for sure. And when you have uh, and when you have someone that can play them, yeah, yes, it's it's yeah. The amount of sound that they make is incredible, and yes. and the way that it kind of can fill every every space. It makes the air thick. You know, it, I, think you the I, I think the favorite or, uh, instruments of Bach was the organ also. Uh. Well, he was certainly the most proficient at it. Yes. And, and uh, I think in, in his day, actually, Bach was probably known better as an organist that is, than as a composer. And there are stories of Bach. Um, uh, he would he would be sort of commissioned, if we can, if I can say that, not necessarily to write a new piece for a brand new organ, but to be the first person to play a new organ and organ builders. Would, there are stories of them being terrified when Bach would walk, walk in because they'd complete this organ. They'd have people in pumping air into the, into the bladders to, and they know the first thing he was going to do was open up all the stops and lay into it just with some huge, huge chords. And if he couldn't, you know, blow a few holes in the roof with it, that organ was not, was not ready for public consumption. So so uh, they would they would be terrified, and if there was a leak in it, you knew Bach would find it in a, in a heartbeat because he was gonna he was gonna lay into that thing, take no prisoners. Um, okay, so Bach is the uh, number one review. Uh, yeah, he review. was in, in his day. He was he was known as 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 a, one of the world's great organ players for sure, and yes. uh, for being one of the people who would uh, be the first to play on many new great organs. Yes. So. Uh, <clears throat> there's a there's a question that there's a question that that uh, I like to ask if I can say at the end of uh, my interview to uh, to my guest. Uh, who is your favorite composer? Right. Okay. Uh, and uh, the reason why I'm asking this it's, it's because it's related to uh, your temperament, your personality. <laughs> There, there, there are some composers to whom you go back uh, more regularly. That uh, you know, you, of course, you, you love them all. You, you, you like to explore, yeah. but you have certain composers that you love better than others, and uh, you have to tell me the truth about that now. <laughs> so basically, what you're saying is, if I say Shostakovich, then you know I'm a, a very dour, depressed individual. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I cannot possibly say Shostakovich is being my my favorite ever. I mean, I, I think he had a very important voice in the world, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I should not have said that. I'm selling my question already. You know, I'm, I mean, I should. I should have uh, leave you the suspense. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what do you think? Um. I, 
I mean, there are composers to whom we 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 go back on a regular basis that we like uh, that we like to play, that we like to listen to. Uh, we're like it's they're like the air that we breathe. They're like the the the, the water for the fish. The uh, I mean, this, we feel at home, you know, when we uh, when we play these, when we listen to these. I I think I there's so many composers I'd like to say and and that I I feel wrong for not saying. I I think. Shostakovich and Bartok are two of my favorites. Uh, Coffee of two, and 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 then um, uh, what would I do? Uh, I think the person I feel the worst leaving out is Haydn. Haydn, you have to say uh, he's among my favorites because, and uh, I mean, any given day he could be my favorite, I suppose, because of the versatility and his incredible ability to make sure that every single thing he writes is ingenious there i mean he, he doesn't have a piece where you can't find brilliance in it and and you know you, you can you can say that like mozart is what yeah you, i couldn't live without mozart operas and and the great symphonies and and everything but you know that as as much as mozart is praised for his early works his early works are not the same level of genius that Haydn's early works are. Okay. I mean, Haydn's sixth, seventh, and eighth symphonies, they're incredible masterpieces. Haydn's 104th symphony, an incredible yes. masterpiece, and everything in between. Yeah. You know, 80 string quartets, they're, in, uh, they're all brilliant. Mozart never had such a, a great run. I mean, he wrote some of the greatest music ever known, but he also wrote some other music that I think won't get a whole lot of airtime. Um, mm. So I, I really- Yeah, his, his first symphonies are not that great from Mozart, yes. Right, but he yeah. wrote them when he was six. So, you yeah. know, who's well, to say well, when, when yeah. he becomes, when, so- That's pretty good for the age, yes. Yeah. We have to give him that, yes. Yeah. Um, the, the composer that I play the most, that I gravitate to the most, and partly, it's because he wrote music for the soul violet. It has to be Bach because I yes. played him. Yes. You know, last year I played him every day. Yes. Um, and there you go. I, I could, Bach. I could, I could do that for the rest of my life and feel like I'd, I'd had a, I'd just been able to play the greatest music ever. And, uh, and so is he my, he's partly, he's my, my greatest composer because he wrote music that, works all by itself for the violin and he wrote a lot of it you know mm -hmm. almost three hours worth of it yeah um so and and nobody else has that kind of track record so that's a lot of versatility for us um it's music it's also the reference for the for the cello cello suites the cello suites are another one yeah. he wrote a lot of music for solo instruments yes um he didn't write big symphonies symphony orchestras he wrote some orchestral suites but they're very small works compared to what we think of as the traditional orchestra but you know i i i need other people to play orchestral music all, all it takes to, to play one of the sonatas and partitas is me so I, I have to say that bach is is my favorite thing it's the person i feel the most at home playing is the one i gravitate to the one i play the most often okay so that that would be your uh, your uh, desert island piece i i mean if i only had a violin with me i I have to have Bach with me. Okay. Okay. So, what 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 kind of personality would you would you give to Bach? How do you how do you uh, find the man? You think he's a choleric, sanguine, uh, melancholic, uh, phlegmatic? What uh, what kind of personality do you think he has? You don't seem to be phlegmatic personally. You seem to be someone that is quite passionate. Uh, Bach is uh, is someone that is very intellectual, uh, a little bit like Brahms. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would. I, I I don't think I could call myself an intellectual. I don't. I don't have quite enough going on upstairs. But um, well, um, uh, I, I, I have a little I, bit. I think Bach probably was a passionate person. He had a lot of kids. I didn't have a lot of kids. Uh, he had very big wigs. I don't seem to need one yet. Um, well, you still have some. I don't have any more. Yeah, I, I, I have done reasonably well on that front. Yeah. Uh, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know what his personality was. I, as, as much as people have written about him and well, that's, uh, that would be something similar to yours. You know, that uh, I like to bring that question up because our closest friends uh, are people that are like us. They're, your closest friends are people that have the same personality as, as yours. Okay. Okay. Uh, while your wife is going to be someone that will be complimentary. Yep. Okay. So if your personality is like Bach, then uh, you're like talking to a friend. Yeah. But if you, uh, but if your wife is like Bach, it's like saying playing Bach is like uh, is like you love your wife. <laughs> I'll take your word for that. I'm not. I'm not sure. I. I have certainly haven't thought about it that way before. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, you can ask the what. What would be the kind of favorite composer of your wife? You know. I, uh, I don't think we've ever discussed it. Hey, discuss that. That it's worth it. Uh, she might say Brahms. Yeah. So anyway, the, it's it, it's just a thought. Huh? Yeah. I just uh, leave it if I can say uh, to you to think about. Uh, it's a, I, that's 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 something that I find interesting. Okay. So, Carl uh, uh, Tobey, thank you so much for this interview. Oh, it's been fun. Thank you, Richard. It was uh, it was great talking to you. It was such an honor, if I can say, to uh, to uh, to be able to uh, talk to you. you. Um, continue your good work. Thank you. Uh, with your student, with your quartet, with the symphony orchestra, uh, to draw people to this magnificent, magnificent world of classical music, yeah. and uh, to continue to make music uh, sense. Thank you. Okay. Do that. Thank you for Thank having you so me. much. Thank okay. You.